Nothing personal, word of the day, September 8th, 2023. The NFL season has started. It's a holiday for so many of you. Hundreds of millions of people excited to watch the beginning of the football season. We had the Chiefs and Lions play. I'm looking forward to it all day. It's that great feeling when you know that something's happening at the end of the day. You get through the day, you wait for it to start. I knew there were some US Open tennis, some semifinals, women's semis I wanted to watch, but I'm not a pregame guy necessarily when there's something else. So I was watching the tennis until kickoff. And there's just something amazing. A new season kicks off and Mike Tirico had a great line saying, it's in the distance, but the road to Vegas has started. And I was thinking that every time a season starts, everybody thinks, all 32 NFL teams, and it doesn't matter, even the Cardinals think it, no matter what your over-under is, no matter if you're the favorite of the dog. Hey, you never know. We are right now 0-0, tied for first. My teachers used to say 0-0. Say 0-0, not O. O is a letter, 0 is a number. Everyone's 0-0. Zero zero. So I'm watching the game, and I'm getting excited. Everything's great. I know my pick of the day is the Chiefs. I'm honored to watch Mahomes, thinking about how long he's been in the league already. And then you get a drop ball here, a drop ball there, a commercial here, 10 minutes in, God, there are a lot of commercials and stops in the action. When there's no action in baseball, people lose their minds. Gotta have more action. Let's go, pitch clock. Now there's a play clock in football, but so many commercials. And then I tried to go back to the tennis during the commercials, but I cut the cord, I'm on Hulu, and there's no last channel. So I have to go back to recent which is one hit of the remote, then press enter on what I was recently watching, which was the tennis. So it's not as simultaneous as I need it to be. So I've been Googling and figuring out how do I get just a one hit last channel? Couldn't do it, couldn't figure it out. I'm watching the football game and realizing here we go, these night games, it's Sunday night, it's Thursday night, it's Monday night, it's three nights a week where you're watching sports till after 11 o'clock, thinking back to the days of being younger and not being allowed to watch the end, having to go to bed early when Monday night football would actually kick off at 9 p.m. is what it used to be, where the game would be 9.15 to 12.45 sometimes. Everyone's tired Tuesday morning. The wide receivers for the Chiefs can't catch a freaking ball. I wonder if Andy Reid is calling up Eric Bieniemy. Hey, I know you didn't do much for me last year, but do you want to come back before you start with the commanders? We need some help. Maybe Andy Reid called the scouts and said these new wide receivers stink. Travis Kelsey's on the sideline cheering when one of the tight ends who replaced him catches a touchdown. And at the end of the day, we lost our pick. The Chiefs lost their game. I saw something last night, Coca, and get to me whether this is real. There's a guy named Nick Wright, who you may watch, who got a tattoo on the assumption that the Chiefs were gonna go undefeated this year. It seems unlikely. Why wouldn't you get the tattoo after they go undefeated versus getting the preemptive tattoo? Or maybe he just said they were gonna go undefeated and it took them all of 60 minutes to be wrong. Well, 60 minutes of clock time three hours of non-clock time. 
watching Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions. If you've never watched him, he's been a star of nothing personally. He's the kneecap guy. Had the greatest quote after the game. What'd you learn from beating the Chiefs? His answer was, I didn't learn anything. Terrible. When you work for someone and someone ever asks you, what have you learned from this experience? Make up something, anything you want, but don't ever say I didn't learn anything. And then he said, I got verification of what I already knew. All right, hotshot. I guess you already knew that you're resilient. It's a resilient team, blah, blah, blah. So that was going on the first drive of the game. Coca texts me, I get his name. When he texts me during the game, a couple of things are happening. A, something big happened during the game. He assumes I'm not watching. So he texts to tell me, hey, turn it on, something's happening. Or he texts me because there's something that's not in the current rundown of the next day's show that he wants in the next day's show, or wants me to consider or have us discuss putting the next day's show. So he'll let me know that. He sends a text and it's Joe Burrow signed. Hell yeah. Before I even saw the terms, that was a big wait to see that I had, that Joe Burrow was going to sign, but that Deshaun Watson's $230 million guaranteed money was not going to be surpassed. No matter how much Herbert or Jackson or Hertz or Jones or Burrow, no matter how badly they wanted it, no chance toilet pants was any owner going to go over Haslam's 230 that he gave to Deshaun. Hey, it was a massage, 50 of them, Watson. Joe Burrow's a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson, not even a question. Joe Burrow got $275 million over five on the eve of the football season while he's injured, but he's gonna play. And that's it, everyone said, great. Finally, someone passed Watson. Nope. It may be 275 over five for Joe Burrow, but guess what? Only 219 of it is guaranteed. Deshaun Watson got 230 million guaranteed. So it's possible that Herbert could make his 262, but it's not guaranteed. That Jackson could make his 260, it's not guaranteed. That Hertz could make his 255, not guaranteed. Watson will make his 230 no matter what but now Burrow can make 275. So all the media aggregators, all the talking heads, Joe Burrow, highest paid player in NFL history. No, that's not accurate. Deshaun Watson is the highest paid player in NFL history. But if someone gets it after, makes more than 230, then we'll talk. But for now, Deshaun Watson's still the winner. Roger Goodell is stuck with Adam Schefter and other NFL insiders because he craves them like, like a drug. He wants them leaking stuff, getting interest and getting tweets and clicks and hits and likes and retweets, quote tweets, although they're not called quote tweets anymore, maybe. Quote X's, re-X's reacts because it's attention on opening night of your football season you want the attention on nbc you want the attention on chiefs lions the joe burrow contract came leaked by adam schefter during the first drive of the game now why would adam schefter who had the information leak that information at that moment 
Well, there's a lot of people watching. And when they're watching, they're on their phones because people are live tweeting the games. People are looking to see, oh, what happened here? What happened there? Let me look, let me get a video. All of a sudden there comes a chef bomb. Do they call it an atom bomb? Matt, that would be not in great taste, but that would be what it would could be called. Anyway, he sends this tweet and obviously it goes viral. And then NBC has to decide in the truck, are we talking about it? Is it just a source? Is it confirmed? Has it been announced? It's not announced, we can't talk about it. But Adam Schefter has it, it's gotta be real. Although not always, but let's just say it is. I found it to be very interesting that there were people including Coca before the show who wondered, is there a chance that the Bengals would want to announce this while the Chiefs are playing because they hate the Chiefs so much and want to take a ch attention away from the Chiefs, number one, and want to maybe try to piss off Mahomes and say, my God, I can't believe Burrow's getting this and I only got that. Now I'm not going to play well and I'm going to go two for 12 in the second half with one interception when I throw to my crappy receivers. No. This is maximum tweet time for Schefter. The reason why... It doesn't help when you make an announcement like that, thinking it's gonna upset a player, distract a player, distract a team. Patrick Mahomes, he knew. Before he stepped on the field, he knew exactly where Burrow was going because Mahomes' agent has to be in touch with Mahomes saying, I know you could be upset. I know that you're no longer the highest paid. I know you're the best quarterback, but don't leave me. I love you, man. And we could maybe do a holdout later renegotiate something, just go ahead and defend your Super Bowl championship and believe me, more money will come. So Joe Burrow gets his deal. Justin Jefferson, the number one pick in many of your fantasy leagues, that is absolutely wrong what I just did. I have a friend who's in a fantasy league who chose Justin Jefferson first. And so I extrapolated that other people are as well, but I have no information whether that's true. So Justin Jefferson, drafted first in a fantasy league, did not have the type of day that Joe Burrow had. He's got one year left, his fifth year option on his first four year rookie deal where they can pick up the fifth year option and he wants a new contract. But guess what he's doing that Chris Jones is not, different situation, that Nick Bosa wasn't until he got his deal. Justin Jefferson is playing. He was asked about the state of negotiations during a press conference and his answers were a chef's kiss to me because his answers are exactly what I would want players to answer because it A, it makes sense, B, the player's playing. And the player is not, under, not gonna get a worse contract because he's playing. It's not like he's giving up leverage because he didn't hold out. He said, when asked about what's happening, I'm not really too sure, 100%. I'm just here to play football like always and leave all that other stuff up to them. Of course, I'd want a contract to be done, but at the end of the day, it's all up to them and what ownership wants to do with that. Amen. Again, not pro-management, just a fact. And if you are dealt with a set of facts that you choose to ignore, that's at your peril. If there are a set of facts that you know you cannot change, then why are you trying to change them? Now, there's some facts that you may think you can change, maybe by protest. Side note, Coca, I'm going back and forth to the tennis match. I don't know if you saw this, if you're not watching football or read about it, there were protests 
Speaking of trying to effectuate change over things that you may or may not be able to control, do you remember in the NBA during the game when this woman stormed the court and glued her hands to the court or somebody glued their hands to the court? Last night at the US Open in Flushing, New York, in Queens, there were four loud protesters during the Coco Golf semifinal match. She was up a set and up a game in the second set, and all of a sudden there was a little hullaboo, hullaboo, hull, hull. there was a four, eight, six, nine. Suddenly, there was a small brouhaha where everybody's looking up into the upper deck of the stadium, of Arthur Ashe Stadium, and play had been stopped. There were fossil fuel protesters yelling about fossil fuels killing us all. And then the guy glued his bare feet to the concrete on the upper deck, which caused a delay of over 50 minutes. It made me want to buy 10 cars and idle them for the next 10 years. Criticize me all you want, but I dare you to find me any sort of string, cause and effect, or if you like, just causation, that gluing your body parts to some place during a sporting event is going to say to a corporation, you know what, I get it now. I'm gonna decrease my fossil fuel usage. I can't believe I didn't think of it. Had it not been for the guy who glued his feet to the ground and delayed the US Open by 50 minutes, including new warm-up time because they had to go back to the damn locker room, had it not been for them, I would have, boom, changed my behavior at my corporation. As a matter of fact, let me get out the iPad and I'm gonna send a message to all of my scientists and all of my employees. Starting right now, I'm so sorry I'm late to the party. We are gonna, in the next 10 years, eliminate all fossil fuel usage. Boom, everybody on the Hill, senators, people in the house, obviously, we now have the support of the people. We are going to put in legislation that's gonna curb and eliminate fossil fuels. GMAB. David, you're so conservative. No, I'm not. David, you're so liberal. No, I'm not. Hi, my name's David Sampson. All right, I feel good. I was getting worked up because I'm okay with the protest. I like it. I'm all in. But how about a protest that actually does something that opens people's eyes and says, wow, I shouldn't be racist. I'm in on that. How about a protest where people say, oh, I'm learning something I didn't know here. That's a good one. I'm in on that. A protest that interrupts something, people are gonna come at me now, at David P. Sampson, come at me. I'm in, I can take it. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. Tell me that it's all horse hockey, what I'm saying. No problem. But you tell me when you respond with your anger because me telling you that those protests don't work and no one cares, it's got the same effectiveness as buying a little plane and flying a banner over a stadium that says, sell the team. Oh, I wasn't gonna sell the team, but now that I see the protest and the banner, I'm gonna sell the team. Tell me something I don't know. I did not realize that by walking on grass, I am damaging the ecosystem, killing grasshoppers. That's actually a great example. I, I like killing spiders. Someone told me don't kill spiders, they're good because they're gonna eat the 
the mosquitoes or something. So I said, hey, didn't know that. Now, when I see a spider, I just remove it from where it is, put it in a different place that's not in my way because I had no idea. Gluing your feet. So I went back to football during the protest because I don't need to watch a guy trying to get talked off the glue. What do they do, that super glue remover stuff that you get in the art room? Oh, mom, I super glued my finger to the table. I super glued my tongue to the chairlift. What were we talking about? Justin Jefferson. Couple things about Justin Jefferson. One, when he says, hey, I leave it up to them, it's agents, it's owners. Don't think that he's not involved, that he doesn't get told of when offers are made. He knows exactly where the bid and the ask is. He's completely aware. But what he's trying to say publicly to his team and to his fans, we've got a job to do. We've got a ring to win. Let's not drive ourselves crazy over my contract. He said, you can't really say you don't think about it, and you can't really say you do think about it. Well, it's got to be one or the other. You either think about it or you don't think about it. It's okay to admit you think about it. So he said, there's a part of me that thinks about it and a part of me that doesn't. Isn't that the same with grief or when something's wrong in your life that, or when something's great in your life, that you can get distracted by whatever you're doing, like every day between 8 and 8.45 live? where I try as part of nothing personal to let you escape. Not worry about what's gonna happen at nine o'clock when you start work. Not worry about what awaits you when your kids come home from school. Not worry about all the troubles, travails that we all have in our lives, whether you have trouble paying bills, don't have trouble paying bills, whether you're sick, not sick, whatever the case may be. We all have troubles, distraction. I like that. I'd like to be your entertainment and your distraction. So it is true there's a part of him that thinks about it, but what he meant is there's a time I think about it and times that I don't. And when I'm on the field, I don't think about it. If you're the Vikings, there's really no reason to sign Justin Jefferson right now. And so they're not going to. Wait to see is when we tell you something's gonna happen. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, great. Justin Jefferson will not sign a long-term deal before the end of this season. That is my official wait to see. Well, Sunday is going to be a big day. This weekend is a big weekend. When you are starting your first game as an owner or president and Josh Harris's first game as the commander's owner is this Sunday, it is not Jason Wright, the team president's first game, but it is Josh Harris. Not his first game as owner of a professional team. He already owns the Sixers and the Devils. But when you Forgetting Magic Johnson, who gave a speech to the team. Hey, I'm Magic. This is a big moment. Let's go out and win one for the Gipper. I picture Magic Johnson speaking to the team the way he does his tweets. Sunday, we're going to go out there and play. One of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. And then he flashes his smile. I love his smile. So Josh Harris is getting ready for game one. When you're getting ready for your first game, I was so nervous before my first game. It was in April of 2000 against the Dodgers at Olympic Stadium. And I was so nervous because all I wanted to do was win that game. You feel like you wanna start your career with a win. You wanna make believe that you're invincible, that all the preparations you've made matter. 
You want to make sure that all your fans are happy. But you really can't control it. Josh Harris has come in as the new commander's owner and could have come in a little bit like Jeter. Hey, the last guy sucks so bad that no matter what I do, you're going to love me and you're going to love it and everything's going to be great. And there's been some of that with the commanders where they've gotten good corporate sponsorship support. They've put a bunch of money into that crappy FedEx field. Their new stadium project is back, being discussed. There are communities from Virginia to Maryland to DC proper who want the commanders who didn't want them before. There's people who are begging him to change the name, rebrand, you can't do it that quickly. But what is Josh Harris actually thinking today? He's thinking, how do I avoid anything negative? I want my first day to be nothing but unicorns and rainbows. And the most important person for that is not Ron Rivera. It's his head of stadium operations. Because before his first home game, Coca, I am drawing a blank right now, if you don't mind. Uh, but I can look, who are the commanders playing? The commanders have their first game and for whatever reason, I can't tell you who they're playing, but now I'm going to, because I'm looking, they're hosting the Cardinals. They are favored by a touchdown over the Cardinals Sunday at one o'clock. So the reason why your stadium operations person is so important is you want ingress and egress to go well because they're, they're sold out, you don't want traffic. You want your concessions to go well. You don't want lines that are too long. You want the turnaround time, the transaction time to be good. TBT, time between transaction. You want to be as short as possible. You don't want to run out of food. You want your customer service people on point. All of the game day employees. You want everyone to experience the Josh Harris era as totally different. You want to make sure there's no leaks. There's no problems with the lights. There's nothing. That is your biggest worry going into your first game when you're Josh Harris. Beating the Cardinals, important because his preference would not to have been playing who could be the worst team in the league. My view is I wanted to play the best team because I wanted to be okay if I lose. If you're playing the worst team and you lose, uh, same old commanders. New owner, here's the headline. New owner, same result. Ugh, you want to avoid that. But they are playing a crappy team, the Kyler Murrayless Cardinals. Josh Harris is not gonna get much sleep over the next two nights. He's gonna get up, get to the ballpark, get to the stadium early, FedEx Field. He's gonna get a list of people from his assistant, all the people he's gotta see, all of his partners, all of the top sponsors. He'll do a little appearance with season ticket holders. He'll be in the clubhouse and talk to the team, shake hands. His family's all excited. There is nothing like your first time. And that applies to just about anything. So Roger Goodell is not as concerned about Josh Harris and the commanders. He doesn't care that the Kansas City Chief wide receivers were terrible. He's got a whole different set of things that he thinks about before week one. Now that week one has actually started with the Thursday night game, he's got to make sure that his broadcast partners are good. Wants to make sure his owners are good. Wants to make sure that there's no legal issues he's got to deal with. 
and he makes a list. He goes to the Western Wall in Jerusalem, makes the list and puts a piece of paper on the wall as a prayer. And he says, I got two things that I'm thinking about and two things only. I would love a competitive year. I would love there to be races and great playoff games and no blowouts. I want all of that on the field stuff to be right. But please, we cannot have a DeMar Hamlin situation happen again. We gotta get through the entire season. We cannot have a player go into cardiac arrest and get saved on the field, can't do it. If we could avoid concussions and the discussion about concussions and Tua or any player, that would be great. We've gotta find a way to take the negative stories from last year. They tried to spin, of course, the Hamlin situation is positive. They honored the first responders, the trainer, the assistant trainer. It is a miracle that Hamlin is back and okay. Thank God. Stories of so many other athletes, including LeBron James's son. Shout out to Bronny, please get better. He has a congenital heart defect, which they say will be fine. So he should be able to play again. Not sure what that means. But that's the kind of stuff that the commissioner worries about. Hey, I hope someone doesn't glue their feet to the 50 yard line. Nah, I know how to unglue someone's feet in a football game. Basically take a 10 yard start and tackle them in pads and a helmet. Believe me, their feet will come unglued. They may lose 10 or 20 layers, but guess what? You're fine. They were trespassing. So one of the things that I'm gonna watch this year with the NFL is what happens on the field, not just the results, I'm talking about injuries, concussions, trying to avoid those. I'm gonna watch to see what happens with these holdout players. I'm gonna watch to see what happens with these quarterbacks who signed these deals, whether it was Daniel Jones, Hertz, Jackson, all these big deals that were signed. See what happens with those teams. Have it help inform whether or not Burrow, his contract is right or wrong. You know the Bengals are my pick. It's going to be a fascinating season. And we're off. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a documentary I watched that is going to interest you, but you're going to pretend it doesn't. And you're only going to watch it and then not talk about it with your friends because you think it's not cool. But I'm going to tell you it's cool. And then we're going to talk about something that's going on in Washington that uh, even for the Nationals, this blew my socks off. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. 
Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday. What a week. If you don't recall, we had a show Monday, so we've had a full week while many people had a partial week. Every day is 20% of the week when you do a show or when you just, whatever job you're in. When you take 20% of the week off, that means your whole week is 80%, and then every day is 25%, not 20%, but this is the end of my week. End of your week, excited for the weekend. Thank you for subscribing, for going on our, I cannot believe the number of people who bought horse hockey shirts. I can't wait for you to get them. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. In addition to the other merch, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to the show for subscribing on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, telling your friends about it. Believe me, your word of mouth, that's the promotion I get, baby. And you know what? It's all I need. I like that we've got a bunch of Samsonites and Samsoners. I appreciate that, believe me. I watch a movie every day. I've got a routine. My routine is pretty much down. The show ends. Coke and I do a post-show debrief. I take off the blazer, take off the shirt, even if I'm doing Levitard, whatever I'm doing, whatever shows I have the rest of the day. I usually have to do a few things after a show that frankly I have to do right now and I'm not sure that I have 17 minutes to deal with this, Coca, but we can worry about that later. And then I start getting ready for the next day's show. Part of that time is watching a movie. Yesterday I watched a movie that is called In the Company of Rose. In the Company of Rose is a documentary about Rose Styron. Rose Styron is a poet. Rose Styron was an, is an activist, very involved in, uh, what's that thing for humanity? This is unbelievable what I have for Friday. What's the thing, not Hands Across America, not We, Lo we Are the World, where you go, amnesty. Thank you, Coca very, very involved in amnesty. But the reason this documentary interested me is that the documentarian is actually a writer who wrote some Tony award-winning plays Into the Woods. He wrote the book, Sophie's Choice. That's the movie with Meryl Streep, Kevin Klein. When people say, hey, that's Sophie's Choice. If you haven't seen the movie, then you don't realize what kind of choice Sophie had to make. Not good. You don't ever want to be in a position where you have to make Sophie's choice. And if you're going to drop a, hey, this is a Sophie's choice, you better not screw that up. It better be the worst, most difficult decision of your life where it's a lose big or lose bigger or lose biggest. Hey, should I get the vanilla or the chocolate, man? That's a real Sophie's choice. Should we order in sushi or pizza? I can't figure it out. Sophie's choice. Nope. I could argue that James Franco had a Sophie's choice in 127 hours, but I'm not even sure that rises to the level of Sophie's choice. Anyway, Rose Styron's is a widow. She was married to Bill Styron, very famous author. And this documentary talks about Rose's wife and her life with her husband and all of the interesting things and interesting people they met. But I caution you. 
It takes place where she lives on Martha's Vineyard. It is a look at me, Louie type of documentary where her life is surrounded by well-known artists, writers. And it's the story of how you can still make a difference in your life when you're born on third base, but don't believe you were hit a triple, that you hit a triple. It's the story of how a person can be rich, famous, brilliant, but still suffer from the same type of disease and malady that people with no money have, that people with no opportunity have. The story is in large part about dealing with depression, how that works. And for those of you who have the view that rich people can't get depressed or famous people can't get depressed or they're full of it, my favorite athlete can't be depressed. Who wouldn't want to be a professional athlete? He's totally full of it. Depression does not care whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't care whether you're tall or short, whether you're white or black. Depression is a disease that is life-changing, not just for you, but for the people around you. In the Company of Rose is a shortish documentary. And if you can get past your initial reaction to the hoity-toity of their life, there are lessons to be learned about love, about tolerance, about patience, about true love, about understanding, about miracles, about death, about fatherhood, childhood, change, lack of change, themes that should resonate with each of you. It's called In the Company of Rose. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going on Saturday, it was always my plan to be in Washington for the retirement ceremony of Steven Strasburg. So excited about that. He and my favorite agent, Scott Boras, Steven Strasburg, his last start was actually against the Marlins. The guy who won the MVP in 2019 and then signed the worst deal ever. Remember Steven Strasburg and that deal? We talked about it when he retired. Big announcement happened a couple weeks ago that Steven Strasburg was retiring. And you all said to me, do the Nationals not have to pay him now? Because he still has so many years left and so much money left to be paid. And I said, of course he's getting paid. There is no player who's hurt, who decides to retire, go on the voluntary retirement list for a team because you don't get paid the rest of your contract. You're walking away from the remaining years. So I explained to people that while Steven Strasburg is retiring, they can take him off the roster. They can take him off the injured list. They don't have to pay for his rehab. It's no longer workers' comp, although workers' comp says you've got to get a player back to where the player could play, even if the player's not playing. But all of that said, totally works out. Strasburg doesn't have to come to spring training. He doesn't have to rehab when he doesn't want to. He can live the whole life, his full life that he wants to live. And this is the guy who got that $240 million all for eight starts. That's the number of starts he's had since the 19 World Series. Eight starts, 31 innings. It's almost incredible. 
So they're gonna bring him back. You have a retirement party, you give him a present, maybe it's a razor. There's gonna be a table on the field. You're gonna see Scott Boris, who's gonna be there as a little F you to the learner ownership. Look what I did to you and nah, 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 nah. It's gonna be a celebration. They'll retire his number. They're gonna be in love because he was the MVP of the one World Series they've won as the Montreal Expos slash Washington Nationals. Which brings me to a question. Do the Washington Nationals use the Montreal Expos as their, in their record book or do they use the Washington Senators? So is Vladimir Guerrero somewhere atop the leaderboard for the Washington Nationals? Huh, Pablo, can you find out for me, please? So everything's going according to plan. I've got my train ticket ready to roll. Word comes out yesterday that the whole thing's canceled. And I thought to myself, is he sick? Does he have COVID? Did they not allow Scott Boris to sit on the field? Cause he demands that kind of thing. What could have possibly happened? Does he gonna try to come back? Well, you can still do the retirement, but then you can come back next spring training and say, you know what? I feel so good. Thanks for the ceremony. I'm coming to spring training. Look at me go. But apparently there is some disagreement over what Steven Stroudsburg's retirement actually meant. And the disagreement, shockingly, is about money. Is it possible that the Lerner family in Washington, who is selling their team, that they had the understanding that Steven Stroudsburg by retiring was not gonna have any money owed to him? Is it possible that Scott Boris said, no problem, Steven, retire, but you can't officially retire. We can say you're retiring, but you're not filing the paperwork because you're collecting the money. I got commissions to make. I've got science institutes and performance institutes to fund. Could there have been that level of miscommunication? Are the nationals that out of it that they thought that somehow Strasbourg was gonna even walk away from a dollar? You can renegotiate and the union would allow it. If Strasbourg is due money over the next three years and then he was getting deferred money through 2029 and you want to do a Bania where you're doing deferred money through 2050, you could do that. You knew how to prove it. But you know why the Nationals don't want to do that? Because when you're selling your team, you don't want any obligations, any accounts payable out over a large number of years, thinking that the new owner will be more than happy to pay Steven Strasburg because the new owner doesn't want to pay Steven Strasburg. So you want to try to get that liability off the books because a new owner will come in and say, I'm not paying it, take that money off the purchase price. And then they have to argue and agree on what's called a discount rate because it's not like they're gonna go after the Miller, fa the Miller family, damn it, 8, 12, 69. It's not like they're gonna go after the Lerner family for the next 20 years every time, oh, we owe Strasbourg $5 million. Hey, Mark, can you send me $5 million? Doesn't work that way. The current owner of the team 
is the one responsible. The current owner of the team will pay the $5 million owed to Strasburg in a particular year. And the current owner of the team doesn't want to chase Mark Lerner, who could be out sipping margaritas on a private island with the proceeds from the sale of the team. So you come up with a way for the Lerner family to pay the entire amount owed to Strasburg up front. But when you're paying out someone over 15 years, $100 million, let's say, that's not worth $100 million today. So it's another point of negotiation where you have to agree on a discount rate. Discount rate is how you calculate what money tomorrow is worth today. And there's 20 different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, it's a negotiation. So did the Nationals think they had a deal done to deal with this now and Scott Boris changed his mind? What kind of miscommunication did exist? The Nationals are dealing with the sale of their franchise. They're dealing with turnover around the front office that is significant. They re-signed their manager in the middle of the season when they were playing well and everyone was excited toward the end of the season. Their president of baseball ops has not been re-signed. That's Mike Rizzo. They fired a bunch of his staff in the last couple of days trying to trim the fat, which is totally fine and totally normal. But the Strasburg situation is so far from normal that we're going to hear more about it. There's got to be another explanation of where that misunderstanding was. I mean, I was picturing that phone call. Hey, uh, Mark, Scott, just want to make sure we're good. We haven't gotten the signed document yet. What signed document? The signed document, you know, that was negotiated to give Stephen his money over a period of time because he doesn't want to show up and do anything. Now, Strasburg actually has to show up. <laughs> That's really funny. Coca, the Nationals use Expo stats. That's cool. So Guerrero, Dawson, and Gary Carter are two, three, four on the all-time home run list. Is um, Zimmerman number one then? Is he the all-time home run hitter for the Nationals? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Vladimir Guerrero, number two all-time for the Washington Nationals. All right, pick of the day. Chiefs minus four and a half over the Lions in the NFL season opener. That was a win. They won the game 20 to 14. That was outstanding. So we won our pick last night. We had the Cardinals losing to the Braves. That was terrific. We won that. What's amazing to me is we were almost done with the segment. We had to call DraftKings and say, hey, we're never doing another segment again that you're not sponsoring. Because if I'd lost the Braves pick last night, I was going to stop doing the segment altogether. Remember I told you that Adam Wainwright shouldn't take the ball? Well, he shouldn't. So that was a win. So we are 123 and 123 after our one and one night last night. Because while I call the Chiefs winning 20 to 14 a victory, that's covering the spread. Some of you will claim that Chiefs losing 21 to 20, not covering the spread, means that I have to take the loss. Me, I don't agree with that. I want to take the win because that's when I feel like the game ended. Let me give you my weekend picks. I got a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. Let's start with Sunday. We're going to go backwards. NFL opening weekend. Sunday. Big game. Bill Belichick, hot off the press. Who cares? Side note, 
Is it really big news that Bill Belichick and his girlfriend since 2007 have broken up on the eve of the season after likely was not an acute issue? It was, you know, I'm not liking you anymore. Hey, I'm not liking you either. Weren't you supposed to retire? Weren't we supposed to travel? Hey, I love football. I love our team. I love how I feel. See you later. But then people were concerned. What if she knows stuff? about things that Bill Belichick have done or the Patriots have done or Robert Kraft have done. What if she's gonna start chirping? G-M-A-B, give me a break. Patriots are getting four points from the Eagles. Eagles coming off their Super Bowl loss. What a game that was. Eagles are giving four to the Patriots. The Patriots are not good. We're taking Eagles minus four of the Patriots. That's Sunday. Saturday, while I'm doing my preparing, the 24-hour run that I'm doing, by the way, is we're starting because of weather. We're starting at Sunday at 6 a.m., ending Monday morning at 6 a.m. So I will be here Monday, 8 a.m., no problem. I'm gonna feel fresh as a daisy. Happy to show you all of the blisters and all the issues from 24 hours of training. Saturday... I'm gonna watch prime time second game. Matt Rule, the coach of Nebraska, there's a decent chance he's gonna outcoach Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders coming off this huge opening week victory against TCU, becoming the darling of football. We did a segment on prime time. And now Colorado is giving three to Nebraska. And everybody's betting Colorado. Everybody is on Deion Sanders. There's more bets on that game than most NFL games. That's how major this Colorado game is. And I'm going against everybody. I'm taking Nebraska plus three against Colorado. I think like there's gonna be a letdown. Tonight, I'm gonna watch some football because one of the most interesting man I'd met in my career, a great guy, Bruce Bochy. You'd be shocked at the size of Bruce Bochy, his head, his hands, his presence. He's so imposing, brilliant, such a brilliant baseball mind, brilliant manager, successful, Hall of Fame manager. His Texas Rangers are reeling. They've got to win tonight. They're playing the A's, they've got Jordan Montgomery. Bruce Bochy, the Rangers are half game out of the playoffs right now. Bruce Bochy is gonna get his team together, not in a team meeting. This is when Bruce Bochy works the clubhouse, works the beep, works BP, speaks to the players. Gentlemen, I don't care what happens. We've gotta beat the Oakland Athletics. And they're going to. Friday, Rangers over A's. Saturday, Nebraska take the points over Colorado. Look for Deion Sanders to have a problem. A lot of hype. Sunday, Eagles minus four over Patriots as they head their way toward Vegas. And that's the end of our show. And that's the end of another week. It's just business. We'll be back Monday because this is nothing personal.